Welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. All of us have Goliaths in our life. And if you just have a little bit of faith, God will defeat your Goliaths as well. There you go, message over. I'll sit down now. That's, that's probably an easier way to read David and Goliath. I think many of us read it that way. We just see David and Goliath as a story, and we all face giants in our life, and all you need is just that little bit of faith, and God will conquer whatever you face. Now, that is true. There is lots of truth to that. We need faith. God challenges us to live in faith, not in fear. God doesn't look at what is there on the outside. God looks at the heart. The story of David and Goliath is more than just a little weakling who defeated a giant. It, it speaks into the heart of Israel's story. And so far in Samuel, Samuel has set up this theme that we need a, a king. A king who doesn't just look like all the nations around him. Someone who will lead Israel in a way that worships God And to use the word of Jesus, worship God in spirit and truth, to lead the people in a way that reflects what they're called to be. Now, now we've kind of messed up the order of things. We're jumping forward to 1 Samuel chapter 17 this week, and then next week, Murray's going to do 1 Samuel chapter 16. So, we're sort of flipping the script a bit. But do you remember last week when we looked at Saul and the Israelites want a king. What, what did they say? What, was, what did they want the king for? Does anyone remember? We want a king to do what? Does anyone remember? To fight our battles. Okay. And who was the king that was chosen? And what was unique about Saul? He's really tall, isn't he? So you have the Israelites that want to look like all the nations around them. Because remember, God can bring victory. In fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 7, we're told God gives this miraculous victory over the Philistines, but that's not enough for the Israelites. They want to look like everyone else around them, so they choose a king, big, tall Saul. And where is big, tall Saul? Hiding in fear. Now, in the previous chapter, we're we're told that David, his anointed the Spirit of God. Samuel goes to his hometown of Bethlehem, and there, as as Jesse's sons are lined up one by one, the oldest son, Eliab, the one that gets stuck into David in that narrative, he's the one, even Samuel goes, oh, this surely must be the king. He's the tallest one. He's the bravest one. He's the one that looks the most like a king. And God's like, no, 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 no. People look at the outside. God looks at the heart. And that moment that David is anointed with the Spirit, he becomes a king. I remember last week too when we looked at Saul, when we introduced him, what was he doing? What's the the task that he was sent out to do? Does anyone remember? Find the donkey, yeah. And does he find him? Nah, he can't. Now, what does David's job? What's David's job? Shepherd. And is David good at his job? Yeah. 
And, and so this is what the, the, the narrative is pointing us to. The Israelite David is called to be this shepherd, this king over Israel, to lead them in a way to fight their battles, to stand up for, for what God has called Israel to be. Now, one of the, the things with ancient Near Eastern warfare is that if you want to flip open your phones, like I do most weeks, well, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 5. So 1 Samuel chapter 5. This actually sets up a lot of what happens to Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now, in ancient Near Eastern warfare, the ground battle you saw, that was just a physical representation of the deeper spiritual battle that was happening, okay? So, what it was is you had Israel, which is represented by the God of Yahweh, versus the Philistines that are represented by the God of Dagon. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 5, the Ark of the Covenant is captured. There's a moment where the Israelites are disobedient. They bring the Ark of the Covenant into battle, and the Philistines defeat them. And there the Ark is brought into the temple of Dagon. And we're told here in 1 Samuel chapter 5, and I'll read here, this is from verse 3, it says, When the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the Ark of the Lord. They took Dagon and put him back in his place. But the following morning when they rose, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the Ark of the Lord. His head and hands had been broken off and were lying there on the threshold. Only his body remained. Does that sound kind of familiar to what happens to Goliath? The god Dagon, who is this fish god, half man, half fish, he, he's so imagine like Dagon is here, you know, this big idol there and the Ark of the Covenant's put there beneath Dagon to show, hey, Dagon is superior and Dagon keeps falling. And the fact his head falls off represents his authority is defeated. The fact that his hand falls off, that's like power. God's saying, I will defeat the Philistine gods. Dagon, any false god, any evil will be defeated. 1 Samuel chapter 5 kind of sets up, that's the spiritual side of things. Then we get to 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is the physical representation of the spiritual battle that is going on. And it kind of linked the whole fishman god Dagon with Goliath. Goliath is, is described as wearing scales of armor, just like a fish. See, David and Goliath, you can use that as a way in your life when you're facing huge giants. It seems like you're fighting this battle that just cannot be win except by faith alone. You can do that. That's a legitimate way of looking at the text. There's something deeper going on here. Talking about deeper spiritual battle. This wasn't just some victory that David had all those years ago speaks to something much, much greater about God overcoming evil and falsehood in this world. And he does that ultimately through his future son, which is Jesus Christ. What's another cool little feature of this narrative is that Saul here, he's called to be king, 
And Saul, as, as, as king, he has his own armor too, doesn't he? And it's interesting that he tries to give David his armor. He tries to clothe David as a king to look like him, to fight like him. But David doesn't want that because David is a different type of warrior. He is a different type of king. And friends, that's important to remember with God. God calls us to worship Jesus, Jesus who is a very, very, very different type of king. Jesus, who didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Yeah, sure, this is a really, really violent narrative, and you, you read it, and there's David getting the slingshot, flying out, smacking Goliath in the head. They, they reckon, some people reckon that if you were good at using a slingshot, you could get that thing to go at about 100, 150 miles an hour, which is like nearly 200 kilometers an hour. Imagine getting hit with a stone at 200 kilometers an hour. Like, this is a violent text. This was a violent world. Uh, can make us feel a bit uncomfortable, particularly when we see the violent images that are happening in Israel right now. But the Old Testament times, those Old Testament warfare, it's, I guess, set at, at a period in, in God's salvation history where, where warfare was important for God's purposes. But now that's been transformed through Jesus. And I, I said before, this battle here, it's not just a necessary a physical battle it's also representing a spiritual reality and so we can look at it in this way it's like yeah sure david actually killed goliath david actually cut his head off david there was before saul i couldn't imagine that just walking around holding this head of his defeated enemy we look at too this is a way of looking at what jesus will do to all pain to all tears into all suffering. I think uh, if you look at the news, or even just what's been happening in the life of our church family, there is a lot that's been going on. There seems to be a lot of Goliaths that just seem to keep having victory. And I'd love to just tell you, friends, that if you have faith, if you just have that small faith, if you just pick up those, those stones and that slingshot and just throw it at your Goliath and you believe your God is big enough, you will always be victorious. I'd love to tell you that. I'd love to just, that, that just to be the message, to say, just believe and God will always give you victory. But we know that's not always the case. We know that some of us don't have our prayers answered. But at some of us, it seems that our Goliaths have defeated us. And that can be hard to process. And that can be hard to understand, be hard to know, well, well, what is God doing? Why isn't God answering my prayer? Why isn't God allowing me to defeat the Goliaths in my life? What we can do with this, with this narrative is, yeah, look at it and go, you know, I, I, if I do have Goliaths, I'm going to pray and trust that God will overcome them. But if you look at it through the whole framework of Samuel, Samuel is a book that's 
describing how Israel goes from a, a bunch of tribal judges where everyone's doing what is right in their own eyes to becoming a nation that's ruled by a king. And in Samuel, there's replacement, replacement sons. At the beginning of the book, if you remember back at the beginning, Eli's there with his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. They're replaced by Samuel. Samuel's wicked sons um, are replaced by Saul. Saul is replaced by David. It's setting up who is the person that's going to lead Israel, and by extension, God's people, in a way that they follow Him and that they trust Him. And so, by looking at the example of David, we see a man who had tremendous faith, who fought for the honour of God, who, in many ways, Goliath is a blasphemer. Goliath says, standing up there for 40 days, caught crying out to the Israelites, challenging them for this battle. He commits the act of blasphemy. And it's interesting that by using a stone, uh, David actually fulfills what Torah said. If you committed blasphemy, you get stoned to death. There's lots of little features in this narrative to show us just how David set up to be this man to lead Israel. So look at the narrative in two ways. Look at it from a personal level as, yeah, God can defeat my Goliaths, but sometimes he might not. If you're in that category of he might not, look at a way that it's designed through the narrative of Samuel, of setting up who is meant to be the righteous king of Israel. And here is a man who on the outward appearance doesn't look all that impressive, He's the youngest of eight sons, and if you know anything in the ancient world, the oldest is the one that's honoured highly. David's the baby boy, the shepherd. There's nothing outwardly impressive about him. But God chooses him. God fills him with his spirit. And David's first, I guess, public scene is to defeat a giant. Which I said, and I'll keep saying again, points us to a deeper reality, which is what Jesus will do. Perhaps your Goliaths haven't been defeated. Perhaps they have been. Perhaps the Goliaths that you're facing, you've prayed about it, and God's defeated it, and that's phenomenal. Perhaps you have just been praying and praying and praying for God to release you from the Goliath that you're facing, and you're not getting it. And if you feel like your prayer for God to defeat your Goliath hasn't been answered, then look at David and Goliath in another way. Look at it as a way of pointing to what Jesus would do upon the cross. It's interesting that, well, I don't think it's, uh, it's not connected, but it's interesting, Goliath the giant reminds me of the word Golgotha. Goliath, Golgotha. David faced his Goliath, Jesus faced Golgotha. And and that's a more important battle to remember. That because Jesus walked up that hill to Golgotha, carrying the cross before him, the shame, the, the, the shame of being abandoned by God, by being mocked, by beaten and scorned, we have victory. We have hope 
we have new life. So this narrative here points us to the greater victory over sin and evil and death that only Jesus can bring. And Jesus, he is also anointed with the Spirit. Jesus, like David, had this zeal. And it was a zeal to bear the shame of the cross in order that you and I would have life. And ultimately, it doesn't matter what, Gol- what our Goliaths do to us, because we have victory. That's what you can draw from that, friends. We will have victory. Yeah. I would love to say to you today that promise. Just have faith. God will defeat your Goliaths. Message over. I'd love to say that to you. But what I can promise you is this, is it doesn't matter what happens in life, because Jesus lives, you can face tomorrow. Doesn't matter what sickness you face, doesn't matter what job prospects you face, doesn't matter what happens in the here and now. I can guarantee you this, because Jesus was victorious over sin and death, we have hope. Because one day, all of our Goliaths will be defeated, completely and utterly eradicated. And friends, that's what we want you to draw from this narrative. Not not just as a promise that every problem, every issue you will face, God will overcome it instantaneously, if you just have a little bit of faith. But to look to that deeper hope, who is the hope of the Christian faith, that Jesus Christ has defeated sin and death, and one day we will walk in the newness of new life, in the restored new Jerusalem, in the recreated heavens and earth, where there will be no more pain, no more tears, and no more suffering. This has been a heavy week for a lot of us. I'm sure we've all read the news about Alex and Mary and their little baby. Uh, There's others in our church family who are going through cancer treatment right now. Some who are in hospital. Others of us who just have uncertainty. Others of us who are carrying all of these burdens and all these weights. And it's this reminder that we live in this fallen, broken world and we desperately need our God to defeat those Goliaths around us. It almost seemed like evil is going to win. And that's what the Israelites thought. When there's 40 days when Goliath is there challenging them day after day after day, and they're living in fear, it seems like evil had won. And David reminds us that evil does not win. No matter how powerful, no matter how scary it is, evil does not win. And friends, let's take that message of hope with us this morning. Evil does not win because Jesus is victorious. Hallelujah. And let me pray for us, friends. Lord, as we've looked at this wonderful passage in Scripture of David defeating Goliath, we recognize that we would just love you to to defeat all the Goliaths in our life be cancer, death, sickness, financial pressures. Lord, we just ask that you take those away. We also recognize too that we live in a world that just is still broken, 
that's still under the curse of sin. And that, Lord, for reasons that we don't understand, that sometimes you just don't take those Goliaths away from us. And, Lord, whatever the situations that we're facing, the challenges that we have before us, I pray, Father, that regardless of what we're facing, Lord, you just give us that hope of knowledge, of the knowledge of what Jesus has done for us upon the cross and upon the empty tomb. Father, I pray that this morning we can just take that hope and carry it around in us with the knowledge of what you've done for us and just to live in hope that no one else in the world has. Because, Father, we just give you thanks for what Jesus has done for us and we just see it as a little snapshot of what David did on that day when he defeated Goliath. And so, Lord, I pray for us to just live as people of faith like David, to look beyond the here and now, not to have eyes that just look on the physical, but look in the spiritual and know that you are greater. And Lord, I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.